Well, I got to tell you, this is my favorite time of the week, and not because it's Friday, but because it's time to go inside EMS. I am your host, Chris Abelero, excited to be back with you once again on the internationally recognized Inside EMS. Kelly Grayson is on special assignment. He is on the EMS World Tour, bringing education and increasing the knowledge, skills, and ability of the EMS professionals around the United States. I can't even keep track of him. We have to probably come up with a where's Waldo game for Kelly Grayson when he's all over the place on his uh, world tour of education. But today, if I got a co-guest who's going to sit in with me, a co-host who's going to be our guest, who's going to sit in with me, he's a longtime friend. He's the past president of the National EMS Managers Association. He is the managing editor of the soon-to-be-released International Journal of Paramedicine, and he is the retired paramedic chief of EMS operations for the Philadelphia Fire Department. I mean, what else can I say? He's an author. He's a speaker. He's an all-around great guy. Mike Touchtone, thanks for joining us on Inside EMS. Chris, thanks for having me, my friend. You know, Mike, so, you know, we, we've, we've had held paths together, right? And we've, we've done a lot of things. And I think today we're really going to kind of talk about professional development. We're really going to kind of talk about where your career goes. I mean, you started off like everyone else sitting in the ambulances and, and doing the work and in your career over, you know, decades of, uh, you know, professional development over decades of opportunity, you've kind of moved yourself not only up the ranks of your department but on the national scene as well and who better to uh have here to talk about what a career in ems what a career in fire may look like uh since you're coming from the philadelphia fire department after all those years but i think first you know the, the first question that i want to ask you is how do you now develop this this sense of professionalism you know mike you and i are really kind of students of leadership we're both in the leadership consulting space and one of the things that you hear all the time is we know that we're supposed to be professional. We know how we're supposed to act, but how can we do that if the people above us aren't supporting the art and science of leadership? Very, very cogent question. And the answer is pretty complicated. Um, well, first, first you have to look at what's important individually to yourself. What's important? What are your personal values? That's the starting point. It's the starting point for an organization's strategic planning process, and it should be the starting point for your individual growth and development and developing your plan. Um, and a lot of people don't take the time, I think, to be introspective. We're busy all the time. We have a lot of demands on us. Uh, you know, if uh, I mean, I can remember back in the day, not only was I working for Delaware County uh, Memorial Hospital as a full-time medic, but I had side jobs, Springfield, Radnor, Bryn Mawr. I was a part-time uh, guy at the place called MedTech Services where we did standbys at the refineries. I had job after job just to you know make ends meet. So I didn't have a lot of time to do much uh, in the way of planning, right? So I wasn't really in control. Um, I started in 1980 in a volunteer squad and uh, 85, I moved from there to a hospital based in, uh, in Upper Darby. And then uh, 89, I joined the fire department. Now, I was told when I joined the fire department that they were going to hire you know, like 150 people in the next six months or so. And uh, 
three classes of 50 paramedics. We were to be the first batch of uh, single role paramedics in a fire department. But there was only nine guys in our first class, and it took a long time. So, you know, I was working the street. Um, I decided I was a two-time college dropout, right? I, I majored in uh, beer and partying, and, and uh, I wasn't really getting much college credit <laughs> for, you know, playing Frisbee on the quad and uh, pounding beers. So, um, you know, I figured one of the things I wanted to do was finish my degree, right? And there were some opportunities around. Uh, George Washington University had a degree completion program um, in health sciences, EMS management was the major. And one of the first classes I took was taught by a guy named Bruce Romelt, who we refer to as Sensei. He's still around the business. Um, and one of the assignments was to do a personal strategic plan. So I didn't know what the hell. What's a, what's a personal strategic plan? I didn't even know anything about strategic planning in the bigger sense. But I mean, the first thing we had to do was assess our personal value. And then you would vision, you talk about vision a lot in your own work uh, and on your uh, uh, the EMS Leadership Summit, you were talking a lot about visioning. So once you have the foundation of value set, what do you think is important? Uh, now it can be career focused or it could be life focused, right? It, you may need to have a desire to own a house. You know, that's that could be part of your plan. But if you want to have a career in EMS as a paramedic, uh, you know, you need to take control of that, not let other people make the decisions that impact your profession. Yeah, I think you're right. You know. I, I'm sorry to cut you off, Mike, but let me let me just interject here for you. You know, when we talk about this, I, I think the exercise you had, that personal strategic plan was a good one. And this really, as you mentioned, goes to your values. But 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 how does someone who's in their 20s, 21, 22, how do they outline their values? How do they know what their the, you know their foundation of values are? I mean, I'm sure they have them, but how are they able to recognize them? Well, you know, you start some people use a tool journaling where they write down their thoughts, right? Um, it's it and it's let me say this and I'll say it probably more than once. During this process, you got to write stuff down, not type on a computer, although you can, you may find it easier to save your thoughts, you know, in a Word doc, but handwriting makes a difference. It's a input process, output process, uh, and it makes a difference and it externalizes your thinking and it, it sets it down in a hard way. Um, we don't talk about values much, right? We really don't. Uh, it's, it's, difficult. It's hard work. It takes time. You know, for some people, uh, I was recently at a new paramedic class and I asked the class, like, what's important to you guys? What are your values? And, you know, things like family, uh, community, trustworthiness, honesty, you know, a work ethic. These things come up. Now, I can tell you that over the years, having interviewed a lot of candidates back in the day, Almost every single candidate, when you ask them, why do you want to be a paramedic or why do you want to be a firefighter? Uh, one of the things almost everybody said was, I want to give back to the community. I want to help people. You know, they were things where they were uh, doing service. And over the years, that became less prominent as a reason. And the reason became good salary, great benefits. Um, so how does a 20-year-old go about doing it? You got to do the work. You got to think about it. And, and 
you know, do some research. Go on and Google core humanistic values. And that'll tell you what society thinks are important. Yeah. And then think about how that applies to your life. Yeah. And I think that that's a great way. I mean, just kind of seeing some of those values and you, and you mentioned some of them, but I kind of took you off the path, Mike, about, you know, the personal strategic plan, you know, that was really kind of the first thing that kind of set you on the path to say, this is what I want to achieve in my career. And maybe you can give the listeners just a little bit about um, that exercise and, you know, kind of what it meant to you. And hopefully we can uh, give them a little bit of inspiration and maybe do the same. All right. So, in 1997, when I went back to school, I had been uh, invited by my mentor in the fire department, a guy named George Butts, who's since retired as well. Um, he was my preceptor. He was the uh, captain in the CQI office uh, when I worked for him. And um, he invited me to be you know, an acting lieutenant. And I was didn't know anything about CQI. So I had to figure it out for myself. And, you know, I, I was looking up stuff online and came across uh, some classes at GW. So what did I do? You know, I went and reviewed my values, what I thought was important related to my career. But then I, the next step after values is goals and objectives, right? What do you want to accomplish? Uh, the vision for a year from now, five years from now, long-term, 10, 20 years down the road, right? So my five-year goals that I set were related to finish this damn degree that I've been working on. I should have graduated college in 78, didn't get back to school until 97, and it took me till 2007 to finally graduate because I could take, you know, I had the money and the time for one, one course a semester. Um, so that's one, get my bachelor's degree. Now, nobody paid for it. Nobody told me they were going to pay me anything more. It's just something I wanted to accomplish, right? Uh, you hear a lot of people in the conversation about paramedics and degrees. You know, who's going to pay for my degree? Well, you got to want it and pay for it yourself. You'll earn your money back if you choose to. And um, you're not going to get paid more necessarily as a street medic, but you might get promoted, right? Now you're starting to move up the line and you're making 14%, 16%, 20%. So that's one. Two. Uh, I had been to the National Fire Academy. Uh, folks, if you want to learn at a really interesting place, it's a free education. Uh, there's one week, two week, and uh, two day like state weekend programs where you can go and learn a lot of stuff. But additionally, you meet a lot of people, right? And I learned a lot there. And I think it was a pretty strong component of me making my first step to lieutenant, uh, which was one of my other goals, you know get promoted. I'm in an acting position. I'm not guaranteed to, to uh, actually hold the rank permanently and get paid for it. So finish my degree, uh, get promoted, become an instructor at the National Fire Academy, where three of the goals, the fourth and fifth, were get published and speak at a national conference. So I didn't know how to do any of these things, right? How do you how do you get into speaking at EMS Today or, or uh, EMS World or even at your state or local conference? And you got you to gotta be there. You got to go. You have to attend the conferences and get to know who the players are that are responsible. You have to come up with a good idea and a cogent set of uh, 
ideas that go along to support your presentation and then begin to submit. First time I, I got into a, uh, a conference was the Pennsylvania state conference. Right. Um, get help, you know, you got to get help. You got to find people that have done it already and ask them, Hey, how do you do this? Yeah. And along the way, I had quite a few mentors and help, uh, you know, colleagues that said, Hey, you want to, you want to publish? I, I literally, I was sitting next to uh, Scott Cravens at a NEMSI conference. There was a guy who was a magician and some people may know him, Frank Polyafrico gave us tickets to attend a magic show and I'm sitting next to him and I'm talking. Uh, so, so Scott, how, how do you, how do you get a paper or an article published? And he I pitched him an idea that I had been thinking about and actually it was professional development. Um, those, those articles are still available and I don't know when they were written, but they're out there. Yeah. They uh, were in the, they were in the magazine every month. Yeah. Actually, almost for two years. Yeah, yeah. And that was one of my favorite, one of my favorite articles was uh, reading that every month. And that's when the magazine was the magazine, right? But, uh, you know, so, I mean, I think you give us a lot of good things that we talk about, right? I mean, you talked about starting with your values. You talk about develop a, a strategic plan. You talk about goals and objectives. One of the things that I think is is missing in this, and it, you know, I, I talk about this all the time, is you had this vision. You had a you had a vision of wanting to achieve, uh, you know, certain things. I want to get a degree. I want to get promoted. I want to become an instructor. I want to speak. I want to go ahead and and write. And but one of the things that people forget, Mike, is just because you have the goal. You've now got to create the plan to make the goal a reality, right? Exactly. I, I want to lose 15 pounds. Big deal. What are you going to do to lose 15 pounds? What are you going to do to be a speaker? What are you going to do to be a writer? What are you going to do to get promoted? I, you know, this is all about opportunity and opportunity is what you have to create to allow yourself to move from where you are today to where you want to be next. I mean, one of the things that you have to remember is that they say that opportunity only knocks once. Big deal, great quote. But just because opportunity knocks, are you in a position to accept that opportunity when it happens? You've got to be able to create your own opportunity and ensure that you're putting yourself in the best positions to make sure that when those, you know, when that opportunity knocks, you can jump on that and take that. And I think I think developing the plans to reach the goals that reach the vision is something that we forget. Well, you know, that's really true. Uh, part of it is you make your own opportunity. You can't wait for opportunity to knock. You've got to be a salesman. You've got to pitch your ideas. You have to know what you're talking about. You have to become an expert in something or at least a you know, well-versed to be able to hold a, uh, hold a conversation about a particular topic that you're interested in. So, you know, the education component is huge. You have to, you have, to have uh, help in deciding what the objectives are piece by piece, like you're talking about, that'll get you to that ultimate goal. Um, so you, you want to be, uh, say you want to get promoted, right? What do you have to know? Well, you have to know the rules and regulations or the operational procedures, all the stuff that feeds into what your next job may be. You have a job description in your organization of some kind uh, that'll tell you the expectations of that position. Become an expert in the protocols. 
know the policies and procedures. Um, nobody's going to do that for you. Yeah. And I think you bring up, I love that you brought up the job description and I talk about this all the time and you can go, if you're in, if you're in the truck right now and you want to be an EMS supervisor, you can go online and find a number of job descriptions for EMS supervisors and look at the skills that are required as well. As Mike now talks about, learn the policies, learn, learn the procedures, learn the protocols, you know, learn that from your, from your own level. But now learn the you know, look at the responsibilities and the skills that are needed, right? I need to be able to have good communication skills. I need to be able to have good organization skills. I need to be able to, uh, you know, inspire and motivate. Well, what goes into being, and uh, in, you know, inspiring people and motivating people and being an influence? So if you're able to look at those, and I talk about this all the time, Mike, and I did a, uh, you know, develop a uh, leadership development program for your agency uh, class a, a couple of years or so back. And then when you look at the skills that are there, I need to be a better communicator. I need to be a rate yourself on a scale of one to 10. And you know what? H how is my communication skills? How are my communication skills? <laughs> right? Well, maybe I'm a five. Then you work to get the skill mastery. But even more important, and I'm going to give you the floor here, but even more important, when you go from being a supervisor to a manager, do the same thing and then grow those skills for being a manager. But what do you give them? Well, one of the first things uh, about, the, about the job description, find some tools, not just your own organization, right? NEMSMA has their seven pillars. International Association of Fire Chiefs has their uh, Officer Development Handbook. Center for Public Safety Excellence has the guide for how to become a uh, credentialed EMS chief. And it, it's a roadmap that lays it all out for you. Um, you talk about doing an, an assessment and evaluation. Uh, one of the things you might try, it's called a 360 degree evaluation. It's a little scary. I've done it on a number of occasions. Uh, it's enlightening. It helps you reveal your strengths and weaknesses. Um, <clears throat> and what that is, 360 degrees, is your boss or the people you work for evaluate you on a series of criteria. Your uh, peers evaluate you on those same criteria. And then uh, if there's somebody who works for you, if you are already a supervisor, it might be hard to get the third component, but the people um, that work for you evaluate you as well. Now, if you find big disparities between those three evaluations, you got a problem. And you, you also evaluate yourself. <clears throat> uh, but it's, if a your good, boss, it's a good roadmap though, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. It helps you really to figure out what's going on. In fact, I had to do it the first time I did it again. It was an assignment for a class. We talk a lot about leadership, right? You're, you are always in the whole leadership space, uh, as am I. Leaders have to be role models. And you can develop, even if you're just a, and I won't say just isn't the right, if, you're, if your position of service is in the front seat of the ambulance, you can still be, in, and I would argue you have to still be a leader. Uh, you're expected to control the scene when you're there, uh, you and your partner. Usually one's the senior person or the crew chief. 
And I think a lot of people forget that, you know, leadership is influence. It, it's not a noun, it's a verb. And it's yep. an action that you need to show every day, you know, and I, I think that people really need to remember that, uh, uh, you know, you could be an EMT, you could be the guy that washes the, you know, cleans the bathrooms. As long as you can influence people, you can lead them. And uh, I, I think that we take that for granted. Um, you know, we we put leaders, uh, you know, basically with title or achievements and, you know, we're really not. And, you know, you got to earn your leadership every day. And uh, I think that that's what's really important. So, um, you know, Mike, as you now start to think about, you know, I, I want to kind of switch a little bit. Because, you know, you, you were active, you did make your career, uh, you know, 30 some odd years with the Philadelphia Fire Department. I hear they got some kind of football team there. I don't know. I don't, I don't really remember what it was. Well, you know. Um, but um, <laughs> but one of the things that I, I want to move towards is you had a big national presence, right? So you did wind up speaking at the conferences. You did wind up uh, becoming an author. You became the president of the National EMS Managers Asso Management Association. How do people now, if they want to get that national footprint, how do you now help them? You know, what tips do you give them now to start to develop that presence that will they become the next Mike or the next Chris or the next Kelly, uh, you know, when we're off uh, in, in our retirement uh, age? <laughs> Shuffling off this mortal coil. That's right. And the way that you do it is you show up. You go. You participate. So to become president of the National EMS Management Association starts with joining. And then on, they have a very active listserv. We have quite a large listserv where you can ask questions and peers will give you support and answers. I mean, the latest one, let's, let me think what it was about somebody. What's a policy for somebody who uh, walks out of the ER and from the uh, property or the campus of the hospital calls 911 because they want to be taken to a different hospital. And there's been several responses already to that query. And there was actually a, an earlier thread that he was referenced uh, to find an earlier conversation about that very thing. So you participate, you post, <coughs> um, you volunteer to be a member of uh, a committee. And you start doing stuff. And, uh, you know, once, once you are a committee chair, maybe uh, you'll run for the board. And you get a board seat. And then you can become an executive member or a member of the executive team. Uh, the uh, secretary, treasurer, uh, immediate past president, president, and uh, president-elect. And <coughs> you start doing stuff. How do you get published? Well, um, first of all, you have to be a decent writer. And uh, going to school gives you some skills writing papers, although uh, an academic paper and an article in a trade journal are not the same. And neither of those are the same as a manuscript for a peer-reviewed journal. But going to school will help you learn things like uh, author guidelines, how to do your uh, references, you know, are you following the American Psychological Association, APA? The APA uh, 7. Yeah, the, the format of the article and how you include your references. And there's style guides out. So learn how to write. Teach yourself how to write. Go to a writing class. Take an English class. 
read the online references that you can find about APA style. There's MLA, there's a couple others that different journals use. And then write some stuff. Read the magazines, read the journals and see what's in there. Think about who the audience is and, and what, it, you know, now back to values. What's important to you that you would like to see change, right? Um, so there are a bunch of different things you can do, but one of the most important things is show up. And that holds many, many different uh, pathways. You know, you, you as an individual, you've done it. I've done it. I like to see other people do it. It's all about how you choose. You choose your path. If you don't make a conscious choice, somebody else is going to make it for you and you're going to be in the wind. So the fact that you decide you want to write a plan is the first step on taking control and making good choices. Good choices based on your values. And then your future will open up in front of you based on what you want to achieve. Now, some guys, you know, some ladies, men and women don't really want to leave the front seat of the ambulance. They want to be a clinician. They like being in contact with the public. Uh, they like that service aspect. Um, you know, be the best clinician you can. Read pre-hospital emergency care and see what be, is being published. Read the, some other journals where you can find uh, aspects of emergency medicine. Learn pathophysiology. Get better at cardiology. Get better at pharmacology. Uh, participate in rewriting protocols. I mean, there's all kinds of things you can do. Um, you know, if you're in school, you can participate in research, get engaged in a research project. Uh, at a college or a university, they're doing research all the time. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of ways you can do. The other thing, uh, ways you can proceed and lots you can do. Uh, the other thing too is to find a mentor or multiple mentors, whether they're in EMS or not. People can help you down these pathways. You know, uh, somebody asks me uh, if I have the time and the inclination and we, we have similar interests and I can be of value. I, I've mentored many people and uh, I'm willing to continue to do so. I mean, because, you know, I had mentors. I didn't figure this shit out all by myself. Pardon me. But uh, it's true. Uh, what won't happen is they're not going to come find you. Right. Uh, in the movies, you know, the, the old wizard comes and says, listen, kid, you're the missing prince that's been out, you know, out in the boonies. Here's your sword. I'm going to teach you. We're going to go, you know, <laughs> into the cave and you're going to come out a king. Right. No, it doesn't happen like that. You got to find somebody. You got to track them down. You got to be persistent. And again, you got to show up. Yeah, it all comes back to showing up, doesn't it, Mike? So we're getting up there in time, and, and it's time for us uh, to kind of close the show. And uh, usually I try to do a synopsis of what we've talked about. But instead, I would just like to give you a little bit of, you know, a little bit of uh, time just to inspire the listeners that are out there. I mean, you spent a lot of time in EMS. Uh, you were the guy, right? You were the uh, paramedic deputy chief there in the Philadelphia Fire Department. You've been around EMS for a long time. So if you're going to give some words of inspiration to the listeners out there who are wanting, and this just isn't about, you know, making EMS or making fire a career, you're going to be 50 years old one day and you're going to be, whether you're in, in healthcare, whether you're in manufacturing, whether you're in basket weaving, you're still going to have to move in your career. So give them a couple words of inspiration uh, before we get out of here. 
All right. So one of the first practical things that has nothing to do with leadership or any of that, except taking control of your life, is your 20 some years start saving for retirement now. You know, because part of your professional development plan is planning for your retirement starting now. So uh, nobody told me that until too late. And I got a late start and I had a lot of catching up to do. Uh, but I'm good with my retirement. So that's, that's like the financial piece, right? But the other thing is, the inspirational thing for me was realizing that what we do is serve others. And we as paramedics, we as people in healthcare, have the opportunity every single day to make somebody's life a little bit better, to have a positive influence on a sick kid, you know, to help somebody who is hungry. They don't have a medical emergency, but they're hungry. And maybe, you know, they're a diabetic and need you to make them a sandwich, which I've done before and probably you have too. Uh, this is something I almost think is unique because a paramedic can have, say you do, just pick a number, a thousand runs a year. 10 years, that's 10,000 people. Those 10,000 people have a family or friends. So maybe there's five people they talk to. Now you're at 50,000 people and you become an instructor, for instance, if you teach 10 guys and 10 women, that's 20 people you've taught. And now take that 50K times 20. That's the kind of influence you can have in a positive way. Um, we don't think about that. Nobody's really don't, you can't do it for people thanking you. Very few people are going to say thanks. Maybe not anybody, maybe the family, you know, that you were nice to, but uh, you got to do it because you want it. And because you choose to do it, it's your choice. Uh, it's everything that we do is about service. And we forget that. Medical professionalism entails the idea that you do what you do for in the service of others. Yeah. Man, I think that's great, man. Those are words of wisdom, ladies and gentlemen. And, you know, one of the things that we've got to remember is that we're in charge of our own destiny. We're in charge of our own plan. We're in charge of our own future. And we're going to come across some people along the way who want to give us a hand and, and help us get to a step, who want to help us to introduce, uh, introduce us to people that may be able to give us some guidance on our career. But don't expect it to happen. You've got to be able to develop you know, a strategic plan. You've got to be able to know what your foundation is as a person. You've got to know what your goals are. You've got to know what your objectives are, and you've got to be able to create your opportunities for success. I want to thank my friend, Mike Touchstone, for joining us on this edition of Inside EMS. And for Kelly Grayson, I just want to say, if you've got any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at the show at ems1.com and we'll chat with everyone again next week. Thanks, Chris.